Cool, cool. So if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Um, so one of the things that I want to do as we dive deep into the Word, um, I want us to go back and to relearn um, parts of the Bible that we've always heard or, or parts of the Bible that we maybe have told someone about or um, someone I've preached about or told us about a long time ago when we were younger and or when we were new to the faith and he heard the message. And I want to be able to revisit uh, passages of the Bible and listen to them again for the very first time. Um, and so I want to ask you guys to you know bear with me as people are going to come. And we expect all types of people are going to come to this. So people who have never been to church, people who have been to church uh, all their lives. It's going to be a mixture of different types of people. But I want us to be attentive to what God is saying in his word and what he's telling us um, each day, each week, uh, what he's what he has for us. And and it might be a passage that you preached on at one point or you taught a Sunday school class about. Um, I want to come in with open eyes and say, you know what, God, I've read this verse so many times over and over again. But I want to be able to read it in a whole other way that I've never thought of before. Um, I, I, I want to be able to look at a passage and take it and, and learn the context, dive the scripture reading. Many times we, we read scripture and just like, hey, OK, we're just trying to get it done. We're trying to get it done. You know, the, anybody have like a plan where it's like a, a Bible, you know, finish the Bible in a year type of plan. And sometimes it's just like, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. And, and for me, um, I, I want to be able to take scripture and literally dive into a scripture um, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, and so we'll be in parts of scripture for a very long time. Um, I, 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 that's for me, that's my heart for this, for this. I, one thing I was in, I was in Springfield, Missouri a few weeks ago, uh, we're actually Branson, uh, listening to our general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. He was talking about one of the initiatives, um, that he wants, his name is Doug Clay. And one of the initiatives that he wants for the entire Sons of God movement is one of the things he believes in is, is um, having biblical literacy. And, liter- you know, biblical literacy is super important because um, just like being literate and knowing how to read and learn how to write. And a lot of people, you know, they go to school and sometimes they don't know how to read to the best literacy equivalent. equivalent. Um, sometimes they don't know, have the, the best academic um, writing knowledge as well. And I think the same exact thing happened in church. People grow up their entire lives in church. And then when they grow up, when you ask, okay, can you tell me about this passage in the Bible? Can you tell us about this? The average church attender doesn't even know, you know, some of the stories of the Bible that you think um, that they would have to know. And so I feel like for us, we always want to be a, a, a people that, that let the one, let the word always speak for itself. I think the word the word um, doesn't need um, a showcase. It doesn't need to be um, entertaining because it already has that impact on its own. Like I don't have to add anything else. I don't have to remove anything from it because the word is already there. And I'm simply just taking this up as we start actual um, vibe services. Um, we'll actually might be in a book of the Bible literally for a couple of years. And that's that might be different from whatever you, you grew up in. That, that's definitely gr- different from where I grew up in. Um, but I would I would, would want to be men say, hey, let's start in the book of Mark or let's start in the book of Romans, um, Galatians. 
and it'll be the entire year before we even get through it because when you when you give that much devotion to the word you're, you'll realize things that are going to come out and, and you're going to learn new things in it and so for me until we get to actual vibe launch i want to take passages of the bible that i feel are, are fundamental to the christian faith and um one of my passages that i've always remembered and one of the things i've always enjoyed is the sermon on the mount and so um for those of you that have been in the prayer nights maybe you know i shared a couple uh talks about it so we're in matthew 7 uh sermon on the mount is kind of in a, a, a multiple chapter uh passage sermon uh but all together it's one sermon cohesive where jesus is talking to a multitude of people it starts in in matthew chapter 5 um, it starts in verse one. It says when, you know, it talks about when Jesus, he sees the crowds and the multitudes, he sits next to the disciples. Um, and, and verse one and two paint that picture of people and crowds coming to hear Jesus. Now, imagine, imagine hearing Jesus for the very first time. This is actually Jesus's first recorded sermon. This is Jesus's first recorded message to people. And this is the first time he talks to um, the people after, I mean, he's 30 years old, beginning of his ministry. Um, in many, many ways, I feel like, man, you know, I've been preaching for 10, 15 years, you know, but here's Jesus. He waited patiently till he was 30 years old. And now he's finally at the place of being able to speak a sermon. Um, he's been doing this for, for, he's been waiting in the season for this entire time. And, and, and it's like, man, he's probably has a lot to say. He's probably has a lot of things that he wants to share. And I think about what Jesus is, is saying this. Uh, one of the things that people share when we're talking about Bible scripture and Bible passages is the law of first things. And so whenever you want to study an element of the Bible, um, it's always important to go to the very first time that ever element, you know, for instance, if you see a word in the Bible and you really want to know something about that word, the important thing about it is, is being able to identify where that word first came about. Okay, how was it used? What, 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 what was said about it? And so as we're going into um, scripture, we're going to find ourselves looking at this first sermon for the next several weeks and, and even the next couple of months and looking at Man, how, what is God saying to the people for the very first time? What are the first listeners are saying? It, and what is God saying to these people? Um, I think that in many ways, I feel like as this is our first messages that are coming out, I feel that these first messages are going to be important to who we are and set the tone of what we're about here with Vibe. Um, everything that's going to happen here in the first year, in the first six months, in the first month, um, the first two years, the first five years are going to set the tone literally for the next 50 years of what we want to do. The next 10 years of what we want to do for the next five years of what we want to do. And it's very important that from the get go, we understand that that what is God saying to us and who is he talking to? and What does he want of us? Um, so before I say I get all that, let me, let's actually read the verse and um, we, you can close the door halfway over there. Um, and as well, and um, you guys get comfortable, open up your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, so these, these, this section of scripture, this very first part of Matthew chapter 5 is known as the Beatitudes. Has anybody ever read this part before? This entire um, narrative? Anybody? Yes. All right. And, and you know, in, it's, in, the, in the entire chapter starts off with this blessed are this blessed are this and blessed are this for this um there's a there's a statement and then there's a there's a response to that statement so it says blessed are the poor in spirit for and then there's there's a there's a kind of a, a describer for that original statement so what jesus is wanting to do in this and he's he's starting off with Blessed are those that blank. And then that's the format. It just kind of goes on from there. It describes and he continues on this. And the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll talk about the other passages of scripture. But for now, um, I want us to focus literally on these first two verses tonight. Um, because I think if we understand these first two verses, we're going to understand a lot more about God and what he really wants for our life. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So my question tonight is, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? So I'm going to ask two questions tonight. And then um, at the end, we'll, we'll talk and we'll discuss um, about being poor in spirit, uh, about mourning. But what does it mean to be poor in spirit? And so I'm just going to go ahead and ask. The question, so I'm, I'm asking, what does anybody feel like that, that, that literally means in them? Like, I mean, what, what does anybody want to share or say? I think that it, it um, means a person that spiritually could be dead or spiritually they have no, no connection with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They lack, they're lacking something. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, I would say kind of similar, like uh, not having like the Holy Spirit was since like in Galatians when it says about the fruit of the Spirit being like love, joy, and stuff like that. Not having that in their lives, so, not having joy, not having peace. So my response here, and 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 thank you guys for answering. But here's here's what we have to break down everything. What what God is really saying. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so God is saying, Jesus Christ is saying, man, blessed. And, and, and when, you, when you hear that word blessed, don't think of it just like, man, I'm blessed. There, there's, there's, there's kind of a, a sense in this word that, that it means uh, happy or happy times a million. That's what, how I like to put it. It's, it's, there's, a, there's an overwhelming joy, uh, a contentness about that person. Um, I, and I like to even say this, man, to have the best life or the blessed life ever is by living out the truth of what God is saying in this. And I feel that what Jesus is really trying to get after is what does it mean to be poor in spirit? It says happy or let me say it like this. It says, if we go back to the verse and actually read it again, this is. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy times a million are the poor in the spirit. And he starts with 
happy are the poor. And I, I feel like in our society today and, and just in, in, in the society that we've always lived in and, and even in times past, there's this attitude or this sentiment that people believe that, that if, if they are rich, they are happy. If you own stuff, if you have stuff, if you um, have possessions of stuff, if, you're, if you um, have more cars or a better job, if, if, if you have a better house or a bigger house, there's a happiness inside of you. Uh, anybody agree? That's, that's, that's what people say. And so that hasn't changed in many years. I mean, even in 2000 years, there is this idea of people, man, having prosperity and having wealth and having health and that those are very good things. And I'm not dogging any of that. But the very first words that come out of Jesus's mouth, he says, blessed are the poor. If you, before you get into the in spirit part, we'll get to that for a second. But it says, blessed are the poor. But he, he, and, and for someone that's listening to this. For the very first time, they're probably thinking, like, what, Jesus? Who, who, who is this? What is this about? Like, what do you mean? Like, like we've always heard, man, blessed are those who have a nice house or, or a mansion or uh, maybe at that moment the, the best camels or the, or the best, you know, um, you know they, they had the, the best fruits that they grew or, or animals that they had. And, but you're saying, Jesus, in order to be happy... We have to be poor. And it's a different kingdom that Jesus is presenting. So you got to imagine here, and you put it into context, Matthew is this um, person. And what do we know about Matthew? Anybody know? Matthew's a tax collector. And he's been a tax collector probably for a very long time. He's a person, a tax collector was not someone just like the IRS today. Um, literally, they were people that extorted other people for money. I mean, they, they were thieves. They, they cheated from people out. They, they, they stole what was not theirs um, and kept it for themselves. And there was no checks and balances. There was no Congress. There was no House of Representatives. There was no one to, to, to stop the tax collector it was a tax collector that had the authority and, you know, he paid off whoever he needed to pay off. And, but here's Matthew that has become a disciple of Jesus. Matthew, probably himself, he had tons of money. But the one thing Matthew remembers that Jesus told him is something that, that money cannot buy. Can I tell you that at the very end of our life, that whatever we own, whatever we have in our home and our possessions, everything we have, we will never be able to take it with us. Our career, our our technologies, our our vehicles, our all of the status, the restaurants we eat at, none of that we will be able to take it from us when we leave this world. You know, we 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 came into this world. We'll leave this world, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And, and at the end of our journey with God and all that we do, we have nothing to take with us. And here's Matthew realizing this. Maybe he's writing this years later down the journey when he's older 
And he's realizing when Jesus said this about being poor, man, I had money. I had, I had items. I had possessions. But then Jesus came in and said, he turned my, my kingdom, my world upside down. And can I tell you that, that, that the kingdom mentality is completely opposite of what everyone else believed. Uh, the kingdom mentality of, of God is, is, is opposite of what the world will teach us. The kingdom mentality is, 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 is the reverse of everything. It's, the, it's like Superman and Bizarro, you know, Superman, like, you know, it's, it's the flash and reverse flash. It's the opposite of everything that God, that, that God presents is opposite of what the world presents. And we can have, man, riches, we can have possessions, but God says, I want, I want to be, I, the people that are happy are the poor and not talking about poor in money. It's, I mean, it's not about that. But it's a poor in spirit. When you're poor, and I don't know if you, anybody has, you know, you actually grew up in poverty. It's, you know, but when you're poor, what do you, what, what do, you do? Or I'll, I'm not going to ask it like this. I'll put it like this. When someone is poor, more than likely, they, want, they depend on someone else to take care of them. You know, at, we, we've seen homeless people, we've seen, um, I mean, in, even outside of our own circle here in Houston, you go further into the world, you see poverty, you see um, malnourishment, people who lack clean water and people who lack health care and the basic needs that we take for, for granted. And many times people are in these, in, in, in this lifestyle in poverty and there's the dependency on someone else to help them get to what they need their basic essentials of food healthcare, water um, clothes shelter they need someone to help them they're poor now I use that as an illustration now let's put it into context of what God is saying poor in the spirit when we talk about being poor in spirit, it's not just about missing an element of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not just about it. Our, our being poor in spirit is when we are completely dependent on God. Meaning, God, I cannot live my life without you. I can't breathe. I can't walk. I can't. I can't live my life. I can't manage my finances. God, I can't. I can't work my job. I can't. Man, I can't drive my car. I can't uh, love my spouse. I can't do anything, God, without you in my life. And God, when I'm poor, I am. I am dependent on someone else to feed and fulfill that need. You're, you're, no one will depend, no one who is poor in, in, in any way is on a manage on themselves and they're going to feed themselves. Someone who is poor, you take this word poor and put someone that's dependent, saying they're, they're dependent. My independence is gone. Yes, there's freedom in God, but I have freedom because I, I, have, I have relinquished my freedoms and I've given them to God instead. There's freedom from bondage and addiction. There's freedom from a lot, a lot of things. But I'm, when, I'm, when I'm dependent on God, I come under his covering. I come under who he is. 
And my spirit can never be filled and I can never get anything without God. He says, if you want to be happy, if you want to experience true joy, it's dependency on God. It's dependency on God. Like if, if you get that now at the age that you're at or whatever age that anyone else I mean, as young as you are and as, as old as some of us are. If you realize the dependency on God, if we realize now, I'm gonna, if you're taking notes, uh, at, at the end we're going to ask this question. Um, what do we need to depend on God this week about? Write that down. What do we need to, to depend on God this week about? We'll ask that at the end. If, you're, if, if you know, I invite you to take notes. We'll, we'll, but that, that'll be the question. What, is, what do you need to depend God on this week about? It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's, a, there's, a, there's, this, there's this emptiness of saying, man, God, I, I, need, a, I need a dependent. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, now, you know, it's, it's tax season time. You know, you have, you have dependents and, you know, those who have children and, and because that dependent, you claim them because they're depending on that person to take care of them throughout the year, you know. And I think that's the same way. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, we, we're depending on God, but God is not expecting a, a tax refund check. God is just expecting that we give them our lives. This is happy. If you want happiness in your life, it starts when you say, God, you know what? Man, as crappy as my life is. God, I give it to you. I give you this. I give you my life. I give you who, who I am. So for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to experience God's kingdom, and, and, and going back to the reverse kingdom, the idea of, man, this is the kingdom that the world represents. Matthew, the tax collector, he's writing his primary purpose of writing the book of Matthew He's writing to a Jewish audience. And the Jews were people that had been waiting for the promise of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for thousands of years. They waited for a Messiah. And the reason why they waited for a Messiah is because they believed that Jesus, the Messiah, when he were to come, that he was going to liberate them from all oppression, from all tyranny. And he was going to establish a kingdom that on earth over the Roman Empire, over any other empire that came above and Matthew is writing to these people because when Jesus came, he didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom and to dethrone Herod or dethrone Caesar. He came to establish heaven for us, for us to experience who he is in heaven. And he established a, a celestial kingdom. And, and so when Matthew is writing this, he's letting them know is... That for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not about, man, for theirs is the kingdom of, man, Houston. Or for theirs is the kingdom of, man, my neighborhood, my kingdom of, of my own house. Or my kingdom of my hood. Or my kingdom of where I live. It doesn't say anything like that. It's this idea of heaven. God is saying, man... They, those who depend on God will experience the power of God's heaven. Heaven's going to be so much greater than all of this. Amen. Yes. 
And only with God and us depending on Him, and as we wait on Him, will we ever get there. We might, we may never figure it out in this lifestyle, in this life. But we'll figure it out when we get there, and we'll realize that God, God was worth it all. God was worth every single, every single time. That we, we went through that crisis in our life. That God has worked it all. Let's continue. Verse 4. It said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, who, uh, for they shall be comforted. And, and I'll go ahead and ask this question tonight. What does it mean to mourn? What does it mean to mourn? Anybody maybe want to a- answer or... What does it mean to mourn? What, what is Jesus saying? Blessed are those who mourn. Anybody? Not all at once. To lose something. To okay, something to lose something. That you care about. Something. Okay. Somebody who. Sorrow. Yeah. Sorrow. Anybody else? Now, what is Jesus saying? What is blessed are those who mourn? Why is he saying that? I guess when you mourn, it's like maybe you're crying out for help, like seeking after a rescue. That's good. So it's not just I'm in my pain. It's like. Somebody rescued me, like somebody helped me. Yeah. And I think I think that I think Raquel, you, you you hit it right on the nail because you know we go back to the verse, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I, and I think you you read these two verses together and it, and it makes sense because it's like man, I'm poor in spirit, meaning I'm depending on God. God is all I need. God is what I what fulfills me. But then he he continues on. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, and, and it's this idea of, of coming before God. Mourning, you can, as a synonym, as, as a synonym not a synonym, but a synonym, mm-hmm. you know, you could be as sad, crying, or crawl, calling out. This idea of mourning. Um, maybe sorrow for death or someone else, or... Um, you've lost something. You lost someone. Um, has anybody ever, man? You've been sad because you lost someone in your life. We've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. You've been in those moments where you know you're you're just devastated. I mean, you lost a grandparent, or you lost a, a sibling, or you might have lost a um, a cousin or a friend from school. Your your sorrow. And you cry and, and you're broken because there's something that's missing. You're broken because something is missing. You're broken because something is missing. When I think about God and what he has for me and what he ultimately has for this church, I want to find people that are broken because something is missing. Mm-hmm. 
Like something is missing inside of them. Whether you went to church all your life, whether this is your first time in church, whether you, you, you're still drunk from the last night at the club or you've been drinking all day or you're someone who's strung up with <coughs> drugs or you slept around last night. I want to find people that are broken because something is missing. He says, happy are those who are broken because something is missing and they cry and, they, and, and they're calling out for rescue. If, you want, if we want happiness, this happy times million, Jesus is saying there has to be a brokenness inside of us. And we mourn. You know why we mourn? We, we mourn because of our, of our sinful nature. Have, have, have you ever mourned because of your sin? Like, have you ever cried out to God? <laughs> have you ever cried out to God because of, yes, Isabella, crying out to God? <laughs> yes. Yes. And you cry out to God because you, were, you, you knew you should have done something differently and you did the wrong thing. And you didn't, you didn't do the, the thing you were supposed to do. And then you're upset at yourself. Or you're upset because, man, or you, you're like, man, I know it. God, I should have done this. I, should have, I blew it. I messed up. I, I sinned against you. I did it again. And I think sin is a reality. And it's not, it's, sin is not just for us to, to, um, to rejoice and have an all grace mentality. No, sin is for us to, it's us failing and realizing we failed and we come back to God. But we come back to God in a humble repentance where we say, God, I'm dependent on you. I need to come back to you. And God, I'm sad. I'm saddened because I have messed up against you. Have you ever, have you ever committed an error against someone else? Have you ever committed something You committed a mistake against someone. And then whether it's your spouse or whether it's your wife or, or your husband or whoever it is. And you come against them. And, and you come back and there's this, man, I'm remorseful for what, how I, 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 I acted or I treated you. I treated this way, God. I'm remorseful for what the way things were I never meant it to be that way um, you know I, I find myself at times apologizing um, over and over again to my wife and um, you know we apologize we forgive each other and, and um, forgiveness is important and I think our relationship with God has to be the same way where we come back to God and say God I'm sorry I've really messed up the situation. There, there's a song that, I, that we used to sing back in the 90s um, when I was in youth group, uh, early 2000s. Um, there was a song that said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Um, you know, where it's all about you. It's I'm, I'm returning. It's, it's, it's a, they're just come, coming back to God. This, this idea of God, I'm, I'm coming back to you and I'm sorry for what I, for, I'm sorry Lord, for the thing I made it. You know, so it was this idea of worship that I made it something else. 
and really I needed to come back and God worship I needed to come back and make it right with you and when I think about people that are coming to this church and I think about people that are coming to vibe nights and the prayer nights and I, I, when I think about everyone that's going to be part of this you know I think the, the happiest people the most rejoic, rejoic, um, rejoicing people that are going to come are those who are going to come broken and they're going to get things right with God in a whole way more possible and it says for they shall be comforted I think the comfort of God is that that us as we mess up and as people come in and they come messed up and jacked up and they come with all the way they come in they come with this sorrowful repentance of God I know I know I messed this up but the truth is there's love in God there's grace in God and there's something new and there's no reason for them to go back the way they came because they're going to be comforted by people that are here today they're comforted by a church. They're comforted by, 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 by loved ones here. They're comforted by the Christians, by disciples. And, and I, I feel that, that broken people will help broken people. Simple, simple as that. Broken people. And, and so that's why I'm looking at everyone tonight. And, I, I, and not even myself, it speaks to me. I want to find myself broken before God. One I want to apologize to God if I've messed up. I want to mourn and say, God, God, get my heart right with what you want, God. Because I can only find my comfort. Jesus said himself, he says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. There's no comfort in any addiction. There's no comfort in any alcohol. There's no comfort in, in bondage. There's no comfort in anything else except for who God can be in you and what he has done for you. There's only comfort in him. And so when we mourn and we come before him, broken people will fix broken people. And healed people heal people. And I want us to come and say, God... Man, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry. The next question I think we want to ask tonight is, is, is as we, we, we finish is, is, God, what do I need to, what, what do I need to, to be broken about tonight? What, and you can write that one down. God, what, what do I need to be broken about tonight? What are some things... What is it? Is it a habit? Is it is it is it a is it something I've done? Something I need to ask for forgiveness for? What do I need to, I mean, be broken about? What what do I need to mourn about? You know, what what is it that I need to start? Man, I need to look for some forgiveness in, in, um, you know, as we come together and 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 we'll ask, but. Let's come here and we'll ask one, man, what, what am I depending on God for this week? And two, what do I need to be broken for this week? But this is what God is saying to us. And he's saying to the church. He's saying to each of us and everyone that comes and everyone that's going to be part of this church. You know, says if you want happiness, if you want joy, if you want joy that's overwhelming, it's going to start when you come back to God in repentance and sorrowness and you come back and you mourn. And it'll become.
I really feel that that God is, as we go through this and we hear what Jesus is saying to the church, every single thing that's being said today is going to be something that I feel that we're going to deal with personally, and we're going to help people walk through that as well. For instance, if we, as we witness to people, and we tell people about what it means to be a Christian and be in Christ, I want to be able to tell people, you know why my life is different? Because I depend on God. I'm poor in spirit. You know what my life is different? It's because I know I'm broken. I know some I know that I needed comfort and there was a sorrow, a deep, deep sorrow for my sin that was separating me from God and his righteousness. And I found comfort in him. Let's pray. Father God, right now, God, we are broken people that want to heal broken people. And, and God, Lord, we just come before you, God, right now. God, if, if, there are some spiritually dependent things we need to do to this week. God, what do we need to depend on? Um, what do we need to ask God for assistance this week? God, when I'm poor in spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm literally dependent on everything for you. God, it's all you. I can't do this alone. God, we ask you, Lord, tonight. God, we invite you into this place. God, in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen.